Welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Today, I'll be talking to Paul Chadburn. Uh, Paul is an application landscape consultant uh, for Fifth Step. Uh, he's recently written a series of blogs on the uh, current application landscape. And today's podcast, will be talking about how uh, companies uh, can find their way out of the uh, baseline support quagmire. Um, quagmire is a good way to start things off. Paul, hopefully, you know, our podcast isn't going to sink into the quicksand as, 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 as it goes along. Well, but ho- hopefully not, Chris. <laughs> <coughs> but I'm sure it's not going to. So uh, the main thing we're going to be talking to, uh, about today is uh, what are the everyday dilemmas that, you know, all IT managers, CIOs and IT leaders, what are, what are the dilemmas they face concerning, you know, resources in, in businesses? Well, I mean, quagmire is, is a good word, conundrum's a, 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 another word, and it's that dilemma, Chris, that uh, faces every IT manager, and which is, okay, well, do I put my resources on baseline support, or do I put them on, on new developments? You know, the business are saying, I need this new development, this is going to bring more revenue, we need to focus on this, yet it's the baseline support that often is so crucial, but often gets overlooked. And it is something that only gets highlighted if the systems fail for any reason. Mm-hmm. And that's when the red light comes on and people say, manager will say, well, why are the system failing? Well, that's because we've bypassed all the maintenance that we should have spent time on. So that dilemma is how do we balance? And it is a, it is a balancing, um, and a balance all about balance and compromise. Right. Uh, but I do think it's important that uh, that balance is uh, clearly defined and, and certainly the management of a company need to know whether they are uh, implementing more risk within the IT infrastructure by not doing that, that baseline support. Now if we looked at well, how can, how can a, an IT manager really uh, get round that and start working together and getting both achieved? Well I think we need to start with both bite-sized deliverables. Um, and this is where uh, we can start, uh, the IT can start uh, delivering uh, smaller uh, chunks of achievement and getting to a point where they can then ultimately reduce the amount of cost and effort that it does take to, to, to complete baseline support. Mm. Um, in this world where we have to patch regularly, monthly, three-monthly, that can be a real big drain uh, on resources. On and the, cha- the challenge is that you know, financial services companies like the insurance companies, for example, I mean, they're looking to develop new products and services uh, more, more than ever. But uh, you know, the market is it's going, going for a very sort of cautious and retrench, retrenching type of period. Uh, so how do they continue to you know, provide that, that st- stability while developing new products? And that's one of the issues that you face. Well it? It, well, it is. And it's all about reducing... If you can reduce the amount of uh, effort that's spent on baseline and can spend it on uh, new developments, then you know everybody wins. So if we took, for example, um, I say the small little uh, um, low-hanging fruit, the bite-sized deliverables, that constantly are the thorn in the side. They fail every month end. Uh, And yes, there's a workaround solution, but that takes time and effort. If you fix those, ultimately you will start to have a smoother daily operational process. So is there a, is there a sort of a process that you can adopt? Is there a sort of structure that you can adopt? Absolutely. And, it, and being in, in IT, it is about following a process. It's when you deviate from the process, you start to get problems. A process, every department, every company 
needs to have a change management process, for example. If you don't have this process, you will, this will lead to further baseline issues. Uh, production support, for example, moving, moving uh, new um, enhancements into production um, this in itself needs a needs a process. There needs to be you need to go through that. You need to go through uh, development testing, user testing, integration testing, and then once you've done that, you know that when you put it live, it's not going to cause another problem. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that you need to start eliminating in order to remove reduce the, the baseline support cost. So is this is this something that you could do internally, or is it something? Is it more likely to be an outsourcing sort of arrangement? You think? Well, I think. When you're talking about internal departments looking to make sure they do things properly, then absolutely it's internal. They can set up their own change management process that needs to have senior management buy-in um, and there needs to be an awareness and an acceptance that baseline support has to be included as part of the developments that happen within that, that department. So what are the benefits of outsourcing? Well, Outsourcing is one of the things that um, an IT department can do to free resources um, to, which will allow them then to spend on, on new developments. It will all, outsourcing has a, has a number of benefits, Chris, right. um, and there is a, certainly some disadvantages uh, uh, as well with outsourcing. Let's start with the benefits. Let's right. look at the benefits. I mean, you can pass responsibility directly to the service provider who, who then are accountable for meeting SLAs. So that can be a, a certain advantage. It, outsourcing companies that are based offshore will probably be able to reduce, help you reduce that baseline support cost. You can release the releasing internal resources who understand your business to help work on the, on the new developments. Okay. You could reduce um, an opportunity to reduce staff headcount if again the, the IT division is getting uh, pressure from the management to reduce the, the baseline cost. Um, increasing resilience, incre reducing risk is another way that you can do this through outsourcing. Quite often you find that old systems, the documentation won't have been kept up to date. And if you push this to an outsourced company, they would have to do that documentation as part of the take-on. Um, and the, as I say, the offshore resources are, are, are a cheaper daily rate. Where you have significant changes still to an application, those changes can be done at a reduced cost. So what are, what are say, two, two of the disadvantages then? Well, disadvantages will come over time. You would, over time, get a loss of integral, integrity knowledge by your in-house staff in those applications. So if there were to be a problem in future, then you would then be relying on the outsourcing company to fix that problem, because their staff would then have the knowledge, not necessarily your own. Costs can increase over time if requirements change from the original outset, because I think that's where your outsourcing company will, will make their money. Um, if you wanted to reverse the decision to bring it back, you would have, be hard pushed probably to have internal staff that would A, want to take it on and B, have the time to take it on. And if you then move outsourcing companies, you're paying the outsource, the original outsourcing company to pass the information on to the new outsourcing companies. You've got double cost for a certain amount of time. Um, so that should be, could be 
sort of costly. And one of the downsides that I have personally uh, come across is that um, outsource providers, particularly those offshore, will have staff rotation. It's how they build the knowledge within their internal staff. They move staff 18, every 18 months onto different projects. And I feel over time, the knowledge that the original staff who took on that support of your application gets diluted, even with the best documentation in the world. Okay, moving on from outsourcing, there is of course another, there is another way of doing things, and that's co-sourcing. Co-sourcing. What, what is it? Some people may not be okay with the difference between outsourcing and co-sourcing. Well, your outsourcing is where you are passing responsibility directly to a third party, and they have accountability for, for delivering uh, the terms of reference and the SLAs. Co-sourcing is all about staff augmentation. I have only got, I need five extra members of, of my team um, and I need them to, to, to do baseline support work. Mm. Um, but it does mean that I am managing those, those additional resources. The good thing is I could utilize, utilize them as I see fit. Okay. The bad side is I, I do need to manage them myself. If they are offshore, it is more difficult to manage offshore resources from onshore, um, and um, so. So what is so what is the so what is it? Let's go the main. What's the, the, the main benefit, the, benefits, the main benefit? The benefits there. You, you've got an increase, immediate increase to your IT resource headcount. It releases internal resources for other work. Um, you could reduce your internal staff headcount, or you you know it, it could be something that if you have a number of redundant uh, uh, staff resignations, for example, um, you can backfill that with uh, with a co-sourcing. And, and the disadvantage? Well, uh, unfortunately, it means that the internal manager has to manage the resources, and again, I mentioned if they're offshore, that is more difficult. Um, if you need to locate offshore resources onshore, um, personally I have found that the cost, uh, the daily rate, becomes more expensive than probably just recruiting a, a local consultant. Okay. Um, um, you would, you're losing application knowledge to the co-sourced or, or, or the, the co-sourcing resource. You know, if, if, you're, if that resource then goes away, you've, you've lost the knowledge from your in-house staff as well as the co-sourcing staff. Uh, and, I, and I do believe the costs can increase over time, again, depending on how much you need to use them. So what's, uh, you know, what kind of strategy and plan should you be thinking about putting together? Well, with every... Uh, moving forward, if you don't know where you're going, you won't know what you've achieved. And yeah. I know it's a, uh, an obvious statement to, to make. But um, if you do need to address an issue, whatever that issue might be, it is important to plan for it. And if these are a, this is a bigger issue, like I need to replace five, ten core applications because they are becoming unmaintainable and supportable, therefore you will need a plan and a strategy. Now that can be something that you can deliver in 12 months. Uh, just by a simple series of a uh, number of tasks that need to be completed, but they, there's an order that which they should they can be completed. It can be a, a one to three year plan, um, but 
you start talking to the business about having a three-year plan, you will find that they'll go, well, well what is in it for me? Um, I have found that uh, you know, the business are very accommodating. They realise that there are IT do have serious problems that need to be planning, need to be planned and need to be addressed over time. 12 months, yes. You start moving into above 12 months, people are going to say, well, hang on, what are you still delivering? What are you delivering? I'm not getting anything for it. Um, so it's that one to three year uh, time frame that if you are looking at a longer term implementation and a, and a goal, it's much better to split that into um, bite-sized chunks throughout that five, three to five years, where you, one to three years, I should say, when you are actually delivering something. And then there's the five-year plan where you, know, you really are setting out on a major system change. Okay. Uh, I'd like to touch on the, the word of the day, um, which is data, um, you know, data applications. Um, we're obviously key to the, the, the continuing smooth running of, of, of the business. So is it, is it really all about data these days? Well, the data is, to my mind, data is king. And if uh, your business uh, users, they understand the data, they have access to data, it's their data, it's not IT's data, it's the business's data. Yeah. Uh, it's the IT are there providing a means by which the business can interrogate their data. This is where you're going to get the, the bang for your buck, where, where if the business can look at the data and identify opportunities, growth opportunities, risk opportunities perhaps, then um, that's where you, your company will be able to steal and march over your competitors mm. by understanding your data. Yeah, there are some interesting, I mean, The Economist has said that you know, oil uh, today is, 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 well, data today is what oil was a century ago uh, in terms of new data lake that we've got. So um, a lot of it is about extracting that data, isn't it? And there's um, so much, so many different types of data now. Well, apparently, for, yeah, something that 40 zettabytes of data are going to be created according to one of those reports that the WF does. If no one knows what exactly, no one can even conceive what that number is. But, you know, coming back down to Earth, you know, how, how well does your business know and understand its data? Is that, that's probably a major issue. That's, that's the major question. And um, it, it, it's, it's so important for um, the business to have faith and trust in the data that they are seeing. Um, so if you've got downstream systems, you need to make sure there is a level of integrity that exists throughout the whole data processing cycle within your organisation. So control of data is so important. Um, you know, how, is, how the data is defined, where it's updated, how is it held, who controls it, um, how is it interrogated, I think, and who reports on it, and the people who report on it, and if it's the board who are looking at data, they need to be confident that that data, the integrity of that data, is, is paramount. So you can provide a data audit for that sort of thing, can you? Absolutely. Um, follow the, you know, follow the the the, uh, the breadcrumbs, if you like, um, and make, follow that data from when it's input into the organisation, through the data translation processes, the interfaces, the data stores, the data mark. If it gets into the end user computing systems, making sure that the integrity still exists within the data and then and, and producing a data map. And I think that's so important for, for the confidence um, and, uh, in, uh, in the management. And, and now um, there is an element of regulatory compliance to be able to, to 
assured the board and the FCN and PRA that there is a, there are control mechanisms along that data trans translation process. But if you, um, you know, say we're talking here to some extent about creating a data map, but uh, you know, in terms of end user computing, how can you have a data map when you've got you know, concepts like shadow IT and, and gaining traction in the world? Well, the beauty of end user computing shadow IT is that um, there is a great, it provides greater flexibility um, for the business to work with their data um, and um, cre create quick wins without having to involve, involve IT. Um, User-developed systems um, certainly um, provide benefit. However, it is, it is quite common that a user-developed system, where it is crucial, and then uh, it, it becomes a permanent solution. Now, that is all very well, except that a user-developed system may is, is often developed without inbuilt data controls, um, limited validation, um, standards, and of course documentation. And you then start to you then need to make sure that that system becomes part of the change management process, part of the production system, mm. uh, because it gains in uh, in, in importance. Um, so in terms of the you know, next next phase, I think one of the things you touched on. Um, is system decommissioning. Um, you know, business processes are changing, uh, new functional systems are being implemented. So what, what are the challenges there? Well, it's much easier to implement new than it is update old, um, which is a, a, a well-known fact. Yeah. Um, and it, when that happens, invariably you have a duplication of parts of a system. So parts of a, you know, functions uh, will be replicated. Yeah. Um, in order to um, replicate some functions, the data will be replicated. So you're duplicating the data. Um, if you have duplicate data, then you have and different business units are looking at different, the different data stores, you can start to get, well, get problems with that. Errors occurring there. Uh, absolutely. Double, so, double and and um, you know, we found um, that when companies merge, for example, um, and um, the original outset is to great, we can make some economies of scale savings here. We've got two systems that do much the same thing. We can get rid of one, um, concentrate on the other one. That's great until you start saying, well, okay, well, I need. Um, three resources for 12 months in order to decommission that system and then people then the management might go oh, I can't afford that uh, well why don't we just let the system continue in parallel so that's what happens and so you can find five years down the line you've got duplicate systems running doing very much the same thing but they're all delivering data interfaces to other parts of the system that may not necessarily be replaced. So that's where a sort of a systems integration assessment comes in. And that ex exactly and that, that systems integration assessment will look at where you do have duplication it will look at the risk factors it will look at um, over time you, you may find that one or multiple systems will be um, falling out of compliance uh, and support uh, with, with 
the underlying application software, uh, the underlying system software. It may not run on a version of a database, may not run on a version of Windows operating system. Mm. And these are the things that, if that then happens, then it, again, it's raised up to, uh, as a red flag because we're now the risk is increased. So we're, you know, we're in a very much more complex regulatory environment, as we, as we all know. Um, you know regu regulatory certification and compliance is you know, top of mind for a lot of uh, CIOs and their business teams. So how does you know, regulation such as SOL 52, GDPR, Sarbanes-Oxley, all these kind of like regulations, where do they fit into this, uh, this landscape? Well, um, you know, Solvency 2, GDP, GDPR is all about the data, it's control of the data. Um, and it's all about having processes in place that will, you can demonstrate that there is data control, there is processes for uh, data analysis, for delivering data to a, um, a client. If there is overlap, isn't there, between Solvency 2 and I think the presentation we were at today, yes, you know, our colleague yes. Ray was giving a presentation on GDPR and he mentioned that you could take the best bits maybe of Solvency 2 and apply them to GDPR and vice versa. But you know, for getting a better handle of your, you know, um, you know, your GDPR. Group. Yes, yes. Is that same? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, solvency to GDPR is all about the data in it, and it is about the business, and and not necessarily IT. Yeah. Where IT falls into uh, regulatory compliance, it is, it is in ensuring that there are controls and processes. Um, such that uh, head of IT will have to complete a quarterly attestation to say there have been no breaks in any of the control processes and therefore I can guarantee that the, um, the data that has been provided up for management reporting, risk analysis, etc. Is, is true and correct. That's where the whole issue of regulatory compliance comes with IT. So, to encapsulate all some of the topics we talked about, you know, in the last five minutes. So, can you create a program or a project in a project management office that, that would help you to overcome some of the hurdles? Absolutely, and uh, any all of the things that we've really spoken about, Chris, um, are needed need to be treated as a project. Yeah. Um, if you do that, resources can be allocated. You can have a plan. You can have a delivery timetable and management will buy in to completion of that. Uh, and you know, that's exactly where you know, FitStep can help. Um, we can uh, provide project management resources, um, as well as other key resources that, to focus on some of the, the other points uh, that we've just made. So, in terms of staying one step ahead then, um, let's look at operational oversight, for example. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of who's running and monitoring your day-to-day -day IT operations, um, you know, it's, it, apparently it's something that's often taken for granted. It's so important to the day-to-day -day functioning of the business. Um, but where, where do the problems begin with uh, operational oversight? Well, I think operational oversight is the third, you know, almost like the third phase. You, you've identified the problems, you've dealt with them, you've got to uh, a stable uh, operating or operational environment and what we're looking at here with operational oversight is coming in uh, either to do the day-to-day -day running of it, um, clearly depending on the size of the company, yeah. you may not have any um, uh, senior people within IT and you may want somebody to come in and, and take that role. We can do that through a virtual CIO role, for example. Um, 
but or you can uh, request that uh, we will come in and we'll do almost like a, a review okay. of how the operational process is functioning. Um, you know, it may be that the, the IT are hiding the fact that there's a failure every night mm. um, and this requires um, time, effort in order to fix. But it is actually hiding an underlying problem that really does need to be addressed. We can come, we can, we can get to that. If, for would example... You able, would you be able to do that there, sort of what you call a fifth start, a, quick, a fifth step quick start application? A fifth step quick start review can be... You know, as, as limited as five days, it can be as many as, as you need it to be. But it is a definable, definable piece of work. Yeah. Will then produce for the client something that they can then take an action. Either that actioning might be to go to senior management, or it might be um, to uh, agree a, a plan forward in, in a series of uh, work uh, work phases. But you know, it's no longer acceptable. I think any to have your systems fail. Yeah. Um, in the past, it, it does depend on the business process, but in this day and age, a failed systems that are not available when either the, 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 the internal staff need it or, heaven forbid, the, your website fails and you're using your website to gain business, it is just not unacceptable. And if you're moving from a, um, a position, a systems, um, delivery position of say 95% and you need to go up to 100 we can help do that we can help go in identify what needs to happen in order to achieve that 100% okay when it comes to say operational oversight and just returning to that so where, where are the bottlenecks and risk areas um, I, well I think I suppose one of them would be if you've outsourced your IT operations yes yes I mean you're risking if you've outsourced IT um, the outsource provider may be hiding operational inefficiencies that you're not aware of. Um, so we could go in and look at that. Um, it could be the fact that um, you have problems with the cash register systems. They're the, they're the systems that really bring business in. Um, and if, if you start to incur, uh, if you're running those at a higher risk level than they should be, then that will cause you loss of revenue. Um, and clearly it's unacceptable. Security and patch upgrades, if you don't do these, you will then start to become un un unsupportable mm -hmm. and you'll have applications, your hardware and software won't be supported because you haven't kept up with the right patch levels and we haven't even mentioned virus uh, sure, control um, and if you, don't, if you haven't patched up to the correct levels, you're opening your, your network systems to potential viruses. And then, you know, moving on, things that, that people often get left to last is disaster recovery and BCP. Um, everybody knows that you've got to have a DR plan. How acceptable is that DR plan? Is the recovery time still um, 12 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours, or has the business changed such that you now need four hours? Those are the things that need to be considered. When was the last test done? And when the test was done, have you, has anybody looked at the things that didn't work and have they addressed those such that the next time you do the BCP test, it is going to work properly? Those are the sort of things that we can all cover, we can cover in, in an operational oversight review. Would you say, I mean, the team is the key to this, isn't it? The, 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 merge, the mixture of the business team and the IT team. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. With, with anything, 
within the IT is just a service provider to the business. Um, and if, if the business don't think that IT are delivering the service that they need them to deliver, then we need to address that. And that's something that can be also addressed at that point in time. Um, so, one thing, you know, we're coming uh, to the end of, um, of the, the second uh, podcast on the application landscape. So, we've talked about reviews. Would you say one to three monthly reviews are the right, are the right to go, or the right way to go? Once you have a stable environment um, and there are controls in place, um, procedures are in place, then a quarterly review would be absolutely fine because you're monitoring to make sure that everybody are, is, is following the process and the procedures because you know that if they do, then you're going to be compliant, you have a stable environment, the risk is reduced, um, and sort of everyone's happy, yeah. if you like. Um, and if you, if you aren't quite into that situation, well, maybe you need a monthly review because one month may identify some things need, that need to change. The next month you can see whether or not those changes have been implemented. So you may need more of a regular it just depends on the situ- on the on the uh, state of the uh, the landscape you're coming to look at, and you don't necessarily need someone on site, do you? I mean, you know, if you're you know, looking for a, a potentially a, a virtual, you know, a replacement or a virtual CIO, I mean, it sounds a bit well. I think crazy. Yeah. It's just, it's like, I'm imagining someone a max headroom sort of robot. Or, well, I think two different things there, Chris. I think the the one to three review or the operational review, you do need to be on site. You need to talk to people. You need to see it. I think with the VCIO role, that's where a company is not large enough to have their own CIO, yeah. um, and therefore they'd like to have, avail themselves of the functions of a CIO, and this is where the virtual CIO could, would come in. Yes, the majority of time could be done uh, on, you know, offshore, off-site, I should say not offshore, off-site, uh, but there will certainly need to be some on-site, uh, on-site time with the VCIO. But, but the VCIO would bring in things like IT strategy, operational oversight, business process re-engineering, uh, business alignment to, to IT, project management. All those things would be part and parcel of what a, a VCIO would be overseeing to ensure that, um, that, that it's working properly. So, um, what is what is the next step then? If you're a CIO or IT leader out there, what, what would you suggest? Or? Well, operational oversight is is important, uh, and it provides that governance uh, to deliver that stable stable IT environment. Um, can be hands on, but I just I think uh, if there's any concerns, be it by head of IT, um, there's the existing CIO uh, management where they feel there is and possibly increase in risk, um, or they have a problem they haven't got an immediate answer to, then I think you know, Fifth Step can help that, that company and with, with a definable piece of work that, that both the business and the client will know that it is a fixed cost uh, but, and they will get a, a, a plan, a report on which they can then action. Okay, thank you very much. I mean, so, well, for all our listeners, uh, uh, you know, whether this is you know, a hands-on role or just a regular review, you know, a fifth step quick start assessment on your infrastructure environment or, or application landscape would, you know, as Paul was saying, allow you to you know, work out the correct level of support required. So if you'd like to learn more uh, about the fifth step quick start assessment or, the, or indeed the fifth step VCIO service, then you can contact us uh, at inquiries at fifth step. 
Um, there are a number of other uh, distribution mechanisms that, that FISTEP provides, such as its uh, Twitter account at FISTEP. You on Twitter, Paul? Um, a little. <laughs> Link, I'm, I'm certainly on LinkedIn. Certainly on LinkedIn. Paul, so you've got Paul, Paul Chadbird's uh, LinkedIn profile uh, provides a, a range of information. He started blogging a little bit on LinkedIn. A little bit of blogging, yes. And indeed on the uh, Fifth Step blog, uh, blog section of, of the website. So if you type in uh, fifthstep.com um, forward slash blogs, you'll see Paul's uh, musings on the subject of the application landscape. And of course, um, we've got a regular podcast and YouTube videos that we do. So for now, it just leaves me to say thanks for uh, listening uh, to, uh, to all our, our listeners again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And thanks, everyone, again, for, uh, for listening. And I hope some of those, uh, those topics we spoke about um, sort of uh, uh, hit home and, and uh, are useful. I'm sure it'll resonate very widely. widely. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.